the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, there's a development on the uh, Kamala Harris church political appeal for Terry McAuliffe front. Uh, turns out I was right. Uh, this is not allowed uh, by, by federal law. Uh, Kamala had prepared a message that played in a portion of uh, churches frequented by African Americans. In Virginia, 300 total churches they were going to play this message in. Don't know how many of them saw it Sunday. More we're going to see it this coming Sunday. Uh, And she expressly, this is a campaign ad. It's a campaign ad for Terry McAuliffe. It's not like speaking in code, which usually these things are in code when political candidates show up at churches. I'm not a fan of political candidates showing up at churches. Okay, I'm not a fan of it. Unless, uh, let me, let me. Let me articulate that better. If a political candidate is an authentic uh, churchgoer, have an authentic faith that they want to come and articulate in a church, uh, that's fine. If the leadership of the church wants to hear that person's testimony, uh, what governs their decision-making process, what their Uh, prism is through which they view life and would govern, I'm fine with that. I don't want to hear them making an appeal for me to vote for them. Their testimony, their uh, witness, their words about what motivates them to do what they do, why they serve and stuff like that, that's pretty self-evident. If you're there, like I'm, you're being, you're there to be evaluated. So as I know, Josh Mandel has been out in a lot of churches, uh, and uh, he's not been to mine, and uh, I wouldn't want him to come to mine, not because I'm against Josh Mandel. I just, I'm engaged in the political process. I don't need to hear it on Sunday morning. If you want to hear it in your church on Sunday morning, that's fine. But you can't do this. You can't do Kamala Harris on a video saying, I believe my friend Terry McAuliffe is the leader Virginia needs at the moment. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Jonathan Turley, Fox News legal analyst says that tax-exempt entities uh, are not allowed to participate in, intervene in any political campaign on behalf or in opposition to any candidate for public office. He cited something called the Johnson Amendment, which states that tax-exempt groups are absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in these kinds of endeavors. So here's what the Biden administration does. It's like the third time, I think the third time I can think. Uh, they're doing it. Now I'm having a hard time recalling the second time. But the first time was on the eviction moratorium. The eviction moratorium was uh, <laughs> extended by the CDC 
Huh? No, no. Can't do that. And Joe Biden said, well, you know, probably losing court. But by the time he gets to court, look at the number of people that won't have been evicted. What was the other one that he did? It was blatantly. Might have been, I don't know, might have been vaccine mandate. By the way, I'm still waiting for the regulation from OSHA on the vaccine mandate for businesses with five with 100 or more employees. Uh, Biden issues a lot of press releases because, you know, he doesn't like talking to the press. He doesn't like having to answer questions. His people hate him answering questions because every time he goes off script, there's a chance that <laughs> crazy Uncle Joe can start talking about the, how good the jello was last night at the nursing home. Uh, but they just flout the law. Ah, we'll do it. We'll make them shut us down. Make them shut us down. That's their that's their mindset. That's their mantra. But Kamala um, can't do this video legally. Doesn't mean she won't do it. it. Just means you know that it's illegal, which never stopped them before. But that's encouraging that at least somebody's stepping up and going, "Hey, no, you can't do this." Now, Margaret Atwood usually has been held up many times by people on the left as a hero. Margaret Atwood is a novelist from Great Britain. Uh, She's the woman who wrote the book, The Handmaid's Tale. You've heard of The Handmaid's Tale, right? You've probably never read it, but you've heard of it. The Handmaid's Tale is often cited by your AOCs and your Nancy Pelosi's and... Anybody on the left, any usually a female legislator on the left or a female activist, and Joy Reid would be one, because they view conservative women as pawns, as less thans compared to conservative men. Because if you're a conservative woman, you know, you say crazy out there things like, I love my husband. I want to take care of my kids. Um, The husband is the head of the home. You know, you have a biblical view of marriage. Like, you actually enjoy being a woman, and you understand that you're not limited by being a woman, but that you lift the capacity of your husband in a way that he similarly lifts your capacity. Well, they hate that on the left because, you know, I think they hate women on the left. They're trying to marginalize women. They're trying to uh, eliminate the very existence of women, right? Here in America now, they're trying to get all young girls to register for the draft. Why should men register for the draft? And women shouldn't. We're going to fight our next war with transgender girls guys who think they're women with pregnant pilots as we are making flight suits to accommodate pregnant women. We're going to send women to the front. So they're trying to blur the distinction and eliminate women. Margaret Atwood has been a willing assistant in that effort for a long time because she wrote The Handmaid's Tale. And The Handmaid's Tale is like this dystopian novel where the women all walk around in a trance mesmerized by, dominated by men. Margaret Atwood, see, every time they see something that they don't like, they say, oh, Handmaid's Tale, another instance of the Handmaid's Tale. Well, Margaret Atwood now 
This is another of these encouraging headlines that shows you're not alone. She's been met by a huge backlash online because she shared on her Twitter page a link to a story from the Toronto Star. And what story did she share a link to? A story, an editorial headline. Why can't we say woman anymore? Uh Uh-oh, that conflicts with the whole, there are no distinctions between men and women. Pete Buttigieg can go on maternity leave, and he can have kids with his husband. So I didn't get to read the piece, why can't we say woman anymore? It's behind a paywall, and I'm certainly not going to pay for it. But here's an excerpt from it. Columnist Rosie D'Amano says, Woman is in danger of becoming a dirty word, struck from the lexicon of officialdom, eradicated from medical vocabulary, and expunged from conversation. It shouldn't leave well-meaning people tongue-tied, lest they be attacked as transphobic or otherwise insensitive to the increasingly complex constructs of gender. There is more than a whiff of misogyny to it. Why is woman the no-speak word and not man? Yeah, this is right. How many how many delineations now do we have? They go out of their way not to say woman. Birthing people. Uh, people who menstruate. Uh, people who get pregnant. They can't say woman. So... Margaret Atwood now in the crosshairs of cancel culture because she's calling out transgenderism for what it is. Craziness. Nonsense. I was listening to Megyn Kelly talk about the singer Demi Lovato. And Demi Lovato is non-binary, which I've spent like zero time researching what non-binary means. Non-binary essentially means you can't make up your mind whether you're a woman or a man. And you, of course, in the process of being indecisive about whether you are a woman or a man, get to decide which pronouns you would like to answer to. For instance, if you're standing in a crowd of people and you uh, leave your coat on a chair and I would happen upon you and I would say, hey, whose coat is this? And somebody would answer, it's hers. I would assume it's a woman's coat. No, not necessarily could be a transgender girl who chooses the pronoun she, her, hers. Or, in the case of Demi Lovato, since she can't decide, I'm not even I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say she can't decide. No, I'm not allowed. You know what I'm supposed to say? They can't decide. Because Demi Lovato cannot decide. So, <laughs> her pronouns are they, them. Now, as far as I know, Demi Lovato is just one human being. But now you get to decide if you're more than one human being by use of the pronoun they, them. Whose coat is this? It's theirs. It's them. It belongs to them. Really? More than one person? No, just one person. Just a non-binary person. It's nonsense, as pointed out in this article in the Toronto Sun. And Margaret Atwood, supposedly an ally of the left. Oh, she wrote The Handmaid's Tale. Now they're going to have to cancel Margaret Atwood because she doesn't believe in transgenderism. She thinks it's nonsense, too. And unfortunately for Margaret Atwood, Katie Couric couldn't dive in front of her, fall on that Twitter grenade, and save Margaret Atwood 
from exposing herself as realizing that transgenderism is complete bunk, like Katie Couric saved Ruth Bader Ginsburg from saying that yeah, Colin Kaepernick can kneel for the national anthem if he wants to, but it's stupid. Katie Couric saved RBG. But there's only so many supposedly woke old ladies that Katie Couric can save. She saved Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She couldn't save Margaret Atwood. Now Joy Reid and all the other crazy people on the left will have to find another person to work to extol because they clearly can't use the handmaid's tale anymore, which is good because it's just another instance of the fact that you are not alone. We've been talking uh, so far on the show today about unlikely culture warriors. You know, I don't think Margaret Atwood, who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, uh, ever thought she would be deemed a culture warrior. She just retweeted a link from a Toronto Sun article, Why Can't We Say Woman Anymore? And thus, (laughs) unwillingly, unwittingly, she became a culture warrior, pushing back against the wokest of the woke out there. Now, you know, Ricky Gervais, the uh, British comedian, He's been a culture warrior for some time. Remember, he like called out everybody at the Oscars for their hypocrisy in uh, buddying up to and doing business with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Ricky Gervais has always been a guy who has spoken out against cancel culture. Uh, he said this on a recent podcast. Virtue signaling is literally people saying, if I'm picking on you for this minutia, think how good I must be. Think how good I am if I care about these things that don't matter. That's exactly right. It is a way, it is the classic way, the most modern way to push other people down in order to elevate yourself. Oh, look at me. I'm so offended that you would dare to question Pete Buttigieg's maternity leave as a gay man. This shows how compassionate I am. This shows how progressive I am. This shows how enlightened I am. And by connection, it shows how prejudiced, intolerant, and divisive you are. That's entirely what cancel culture is about. It is about standing on the necks of others to make yourself appear taller. And just like Margaret Atwood is someone that you wouldn't have ever thought you'd be in the same foxhole with, If you've ever paid any attention to Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, you know Aaron Rodgers is a very liberal guy. Of course he is. He went to Cal, okay? Aaron Rodgers, though, also realizes, see, there are people like this. I played Barry Weiss for you yesterday. Barry Weiss, Glenn Greenwald, another example. Independent journalist, Barry Weiss, Glenn Greenwald. They would not share your politics. But on a fundamental level, They are culture warriors, and they would be people in the same foxhole as you standing against this thing of silencing opinions, silencing ideas, silencing debate. And Aaron Rodgers would too. Now, Sunday, Aaron Rodgers did something that was completely unrehearsed. He was playing football. Who thought in the course of playing football there would be a culturally significant moment. But there was. There was. Aaron Rodgers scrambled for a touchdown. 
And the game was in Chicago at Soldier Field. Now, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers play a lot. They play twice a year, sometimes three times a year if they meet in the playoffs. And Aaron Rodgers has been the Packers quarterback for a long time, so he's played a lot of games against the Chicago Bears in his career. And he has a 22-5 and record against the Chicago Bears. And the Bears and the Packers are geographically pretty close. Green Bay, Wisconsin, Chicago, Illinois, so they're rivals, okay? So it's understandable why Chicago fans hate Aaron Rodgers because he beats their team a lot. In fact, his record against the Bears is 22-5. and 22-5. So Aaron Rodgers scored a touchdown on Sunday, and he celebrated, and he looked up into the crowd, and he saw, he said, grandmothers flipping him the double bird. And so Aaron Rodgers, with the Fox microphone nearby, screamed back at them something to the effect of, I own you. I've always owned you. Harmless, key to the moment, sports trash talk, right? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I own you implies a slave mindset. Chicago's quarterback, Justin Fields, is black. A lot of the Bears players are black. Aaron Rodgers is white. Chicago is a city racked by black-on-black crime. The mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is black. Oh, Aaron Rodgers must have something sinister, deep, dark in his heart to say that he owns Chicago. Really? Yeah, this is how crazy some people are. Now, when you're confronted by this, typically the reaction is, I'm so, the lame apology is, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Well, you must have offended someone or you wouldn't be apologizing, right? I hate the I'm sorry if apology. And in this case, I would have hated any apology at all. But Chicago didn't get an apology from Aaron Rodgers. Appearing on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about the criticism he's getting for daring to say in the heat of the moment after scoring a touchdown in light of his 22-5 and record against the Bears. I own you. Like, I'm so fortunate for this platform, especially this one, to be on here talking with you guys. Like It means a lot to me because I think people get to see me in a little bit of a different light, You know that I'm not a repeating robot, cliche-ridden uh, leader of a franchise. I actually have a personality and thoughts and opinions that uh, I think align with most people. Um but I'm not a victim either. I'm not a victim. I don't look at myself as a victim or I don't want people to feel bad for me because of uh, the spotlight that I'm in and the platform that I have and the, and the scrutiny that comes with it. I accept all of it. I really do. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I just think that it is, for me, helps me to uh, keep sane when I can recognize and point out that there is this culture that exists that gets off, I think, on uh, keep shrinking people, keeping them small, keeping them in a box, uh, quieting them through uh, cancelization or demeaning comments, and that I also exist outside of that in a different realm where um, I do feel confident in things I say and I do stand behind what I do, and I like to speak the truth, and I'm not a part of this uh, you know, uh, woke uh, cancel culture that gets off on... Uh, trying to silence people all the time. So we may not always agree with the Margaret Atwoods, with the Aaron Rodgers, with the Ricky Gervais. We're about free exchange of ideas. Why? Because we know we can win on ideas. The left doesn't want to hear ideas because they have no response. 
They're about canceling. That's what cancel culture is about. They don't have an argument. That's when you engage in cancel culture. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.